0: My name is Dr. Michael Brown and this is Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the simple and strategic choices in order to feel fully alive. Not just living, but alive. And my friend Steve Risky in our conversation today helps us know what it looks like practically to feel whole, to feel fully alive. By having a really deep, almost counseling conversation about this idea of caring for one another without controlling one another. Enjoy. Steve, I always love our conversations together. They're insightful, they're deep, but most of all, they're practical. You have this ability to get really practical and make things tangible in our lives. So what are our three words for today? Controlling isn't caring. Controlling isn't caring. But immediately, I think, it isn't the most caring thing to do to control my kids? Cause I need to control them. I got nine kids, right? And you got kids. And so, okay. So talk to me
1: about that. So we start life, right? We got this little person in a basket and, and we're carrying them around and we're literally controlling everything about their life. Right. But mm. the process of parenting from, from there until like, let's say 18 or 20, or whatever is actually the process of releasing their control over their life to them. And by the time your, it's your child's true. an adult you should not want control over them because they don't get to be an adult
0: adulthood is actually the process of running one's life now I know a lot of older adults who are still controlling their adult children's lives at <laughs> least yes. right and that, <laughs> that makes sense then because mm-hmm. that's an awkward relationship it doesn't feel caring to the individual being controlled that's right but we crave control we really want control mm-hmm. why because we're afraid. And we got to talk about this fear because
1: fear always stands behind control. And so anytime I'm afraid, uh, and, and I can't allow the bad to happen. And so if, 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 if I were your parents and I'm afraid you're going to take a career that I don't want for you, or I don't think will be good for you. And I can't release you to your adulthood to, to make your mistakes, to grow, whatever. I will insert control, believing that I'm caring, but you're going to in almost universally feel resentment, you know, resistance, And so what we, we have all these relationships in our life and not just in our families, what we need to talk about families, but also at work and other places in our life where we think if I control them, I can make good for them. And we're wondering why these people are distancing from us, resisting us, moving away from us, making paths around us. It's because we have substituted control for care.
0: So all of us as human beings have this craving for control, to control the circumstances of our life. But these three particular words, controlling, isn't caring. The conversation today is about relationships. Mm -hmm. You started our conversation with parent-child relationships, and I'm guessing some of these principles that you have could also be applied to romantic relationships in the context of friendship, in the context of our Um, workplace and our colleagues, let's, let's move our way through those. So we've talked about parenting. Do we want to talk more about that? Like, because you, you and I've chatted a lot about parenting that we want to raise children who are strong versus children who are just safe. Okay. So
1: here's the deal with children. There's appropriate care uh, control, right? Right. But there's also all the way across the board, another line that we have been excusing, And, and it comes from a man named, uh, Friedman, Alvin Friedman, where this idea was called emotional differentiation. Okay. I love having big words for you guys, (laughs) emotional. So if a thing happens and you express your emotions, I either respond or react. Hmm. So let's say you came to me one day and, and you wanted to tell me about how your boss at work had mistreated you. And I'll, I'll really exaggerate so you can feel it. So on one hand, if, um, if you said, oh, your boss mistreated you, a reaction would be, you know what you need to do? Notice your emotions became mine and I spat them back at you, mm-hmm. All right? But a response would be something just simpler, like, that sounds really hard, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, notice I heard your emotions. I wasn't absent from them. I'm like, you know, it looks to be you or something. Right. I, I I saw them, but I gave them back to you without you needing my emotions to respond. Mm-hmm. Take another version of this. I was talking to a couple recently and, and, and every, every, every couple has to do with this on some level. The mom was home with the kids that day and she's at the end of her rope, right? As, as, and it's hard. You're trying to cook dinner and these things are going on. And like so many wives, and this is like the story, right? She's looking for that relief and she knows he's coming home and he comes in through the door. OK, so a differentiation doesn't happen when he looks, he sees her frazzledness and he believes it's his responsibility to go, oh, I have to be having a bad day. And he he gets fra- now he's frustrated at her. Why do I have to have all these negative emotions from her? And and he then immediately begins to react to this household. and He makes it worse and no one's happy. So let's try the exact same thing from her problems. She's not undifferentiated. She's not sorry. She's not differentiated. Because she looks and she says, I need him to have my bad emotions. Mm -hmm. She actually has the ability to say, hon, I'm having a bad day and I'm so thankful you're here. She has that opportunity. And by the way, he would jump in. He would be a superhero because now he's motivated, right? He would be a superhero, but something inside her. Now here's where the fear is, right? Both of them have a fear. Mm -hmm. Her fear says, if I do that, I'll feel vulnerable. And I will feel, I will feel, um, unvalidated somehow. Mm -hmm. And so what I want is I want him to feel my pain instead. And so she attempts to hook him into her pain and immediately he's resistant. Now notice her little control, her, it's about time you're home or, or whatever, whatever she gives. Mm -hmm. If she has not allowed him to have his own set of emotions, she thinks it's going to help right? Her fear said, go out and do this, but it really, it's not caring and it creates
0: chaos everywhere. Yeah. And you said it best that environment, even as you described that scenario, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a caring environment or a caring interaction. It feels awkward and frustrating and hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we're experiencing that in our relationship with our kids as they grow into adulthood. And you just use an example that kind of intersected both parenting and romantic relationships. Talk to me more. Even in friendship circles, what does that look like? Well, let's, let's go further out than friendships. Let's go okay. to the business world. Okay. Fair enough. Because
1: in a business world, the boss actually has some control and we would not think of that as care. Oh, I feel so cared about, but it's appropriate yeah. that the boss has control. So once again, control is appropriate in places, right? We just shouldn't think it's caring. <laughs> it's, it's something else, right? Only the, uh, the work of Friedman and others has really showed with organizations big, like, like the university or small, like our, our church or, or families or any, any organization. And they were, and they were watching these things happen and, and they would see some toxic wing of it and say, if we just cut this thing out, like, like cutting out cancer, it's going to, it's going to fix it. And the cancer would grow back. Mm. And they thought it was systems. They thought it was skills. They thought it was all these things. And it turned out almost every single time. The question was whether or not you had an emotionally differentiated leader. I kid you not. If the leader of the organization was a calm, non-anxious presence that was able to not inherit the emotions that everyone was giving him. Interesting. He could create or she could create well-being and trust amongst the people under them. But as soon as they had an emotionally volatile person who was reacting instead of responding. Because you're allowed to have emotions. That makes me sad. I feel very frustrated or whatever. Right. But no, I'm handing them to you. What the heck is it? Right? right. As soon as that's there, fear begins to crawl into the organization and everybody begins
0: to mimic out the emotional reactivity of the parent or the leader. And you describe even the boss reacting, even his or her reaction is out of fear.
1: Is out of fear. Yeah. So yes. the
0: fear, it's, it's, it's kind of inspired by fear at the very first mm-hmm. reaction. And then it kind of ripples throughout an organization or a family with more fear yeah. and more need to control. Mm-hmm. And of course, the final result is Always. less caring. <laughs> less and chaos.
1: Car- and chaos, right? Yeah. So we see it in families, emotionally reactive families. Mm. They are all terrified of each other because they always believe they're supposed to have the emotions of the whole family and they can't bear it. It's too much. So the husband who comes home and who's dreading his wife being in a bad mood, it's, it's partially because that's difficult, right? But he has ways that he could respond to that. Like, this is very difficult for me. Yeah. But instead he believes he's supposed to react and now he's inheriting it and she's inheriting, re- And everyone's, reactivity versus a
0: response Mm -hmm. a response still has my emotions i'm just not making you responsible. well the response that you're describing that is appropriate is empathy i'm listening i i i I, like i'm entering into your story but i don't necessarily need to absorb those emotions and carry them myself that's huge yeah right but at times if i don't do that that person could feel offended the fact that i'm not why are you not feeling the same way i feel about this situation
1: So so people who come from emotionally reactive environments, especially our families of origin, right? We actually mistake reactivity for caring. We think it's caring if you. So uh, I was watching a silly sitcom with my son the other day and the girlfriend was like, "Ah, this girl said something bad. And the the boyfriend was like, "Mm, that seems hard. And the girlfriend was super mad. Like, why aren't you upset? See, she thinks that reactivity will be caring, but it's not. It doesn't help her. What she really needs is somebody who can look and say, I see you there. I've got you there. Mm. So we, if we're reactors, we actually think reactivity is caring, but it never actually helps. And it sabotages everybody.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I so can't get out of my head. Your initial comment that control is rooted 100% of the time in fear. Mm-hmm. We're fearful people. Yeah. Um, But yet, as you look around the world, we don't appear afraid, and yet our decisions and our choices Mm. and relationships prove the point that we are feeling afraid. Can we talk more about that? Like, why are we so afraid? Well, most people hear the
1: word afraid, and they think of the word fright. Like, I'm in a dark alley, and somebody's coming at me with a gun, you know? Right. Because the the stimulus is coming from the outside, right? Okay. But… Real fright, real fear comes from the inside that, that my sense of how I will be well mm-hmm. or the sense of how, how I, will I can well. get my needs met will not be met. And I become afraid and I will begin to react out, hoping to solve it. You know, I, I, I first found out about all of this because when I was working, uh, t- toward my counseling degree, I was working as a domestic violence counselor, mm. not with the victims, with the perpetrators mm. and these, these, these men who had come into this group and, and, and how, if you would have told them they were afraid, they'd have probably punched you, right? afraid, And yet they were terrified. And and of course, like most people, I came in thinking, oh, this is going to be an anger problem. These are going to be angry people. But they're not. Domestic violence is not about anger. Hmm. It's about control. Wow. You see, the domestically violent person believes that their needs can't be met. So a terrifying thing happens. And if you can sense this mechanic, how it works, you'll recognize how disastrous it is. And so what we what we try to do is we we play this little gift giving game and I do it a lot where, uh, you know, if you give me a gift and I say thank you and and, and you you're like we both are happy. Right. But if I start to like put weird things in, like I take the gift before you can give it or I refuse it out of some sort of misplaced altruism or something like that, it begins to diminish it but my favorite of the gift giving game. And, uh, and so the person will be like a giver and they'll be giving to me and I'll, and I'll say, okay, on the count of three, I want you to say, you know, Merry Christmas and give it to me. And I'll say one, two, you're a terrible friend if you don't give that to me. Three. Huh. And and they'll do one of two things because they'll have it in their hand and they'll be like one, two, they're like all ready to give it. Cause they're excited about this little idea that I could give well to you. And they'll either, when I say you're a terrible friend, if you don't give it, they'll either pull it back. Or they'll stop, they'll pause, and then they'll force themselves to give it. Hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about both of us in this part of the gift-giving game. Because the person who is forced to give it no longer feels well-being. They no Hmm. longer like the thing, right? Sure, fine. But they still might have the the internal goodness to say, fine, I'll give it to you anyway. But it's worse for the receiver. Yeah. But here's why. The receiver longed to have a world that was willing to give to them. Hmm. And they're terrified it won't happen. So they force it to happen. So they get the thing they want, but they know in their heart that they forced it to happen. You're a terrible friend if you don't get right. And because of that, their heart says, I'm the only one who cares about me. Hmm. So even if the other person really did mean well-being, they could be kind, they could be as benevolent, doesn't matter how much. When the controller forces it to happen, all that happens is... They cared about themselves. Right. And so their fear grows. See, I told you, no one cares about me. They got what they wanted. And their heart says, still, no one cares about me. So then they say, I need to control more. And they create this horrifying feedback loop of I control, I get what I want, but it didn't feel like love. And so I'm hungrier. So I control more. and It gets worse and worse. Hmm. Controllers
0: make their own grave. Hmm. You know, Steve, um, we could talk about this forever. It's There's so much here, but obviously this is a bite-sized podcast. And okay. I'm sure you and I will continue to have more conversations about this in other contexts and maybe even other episodes. But would you share a final word with our listeners and our viewers? Very practically, like if you're struggling with controlling in these various contexts, like we would just love one final word of advice. All right, one final word of advice would be this. In
1: your life, you have all these places where you could ask and then be told yes or no. And if your heart says, I can't bear no, and I need to make it happen, you'll do damage to you and you'll do damage to them. It's actually the ability to say someone really might love me well enough to give and to suffer the yes or no that will allow you to know if it's going to come in as love or not. And this is really, really hard. It's why you want to use control because your heart says it's too scary to actually just ask, to just actually be vulnerable. And then reactivity is that ability to say, I'm going to punish you for making me feel bad. A response says, I see you there and I care about you. Caring can never be controlling and controlling can never
0: be caring. For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.